Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Pause there just for a moment. Write this down in your notes, your very first point. We're going to see this morning God's wrath being perfected. This text begins, it opens up talking about these great and marvelous signs. In the Greek, what it's talking about is it's talking about these Signs being compounded and that they're surpassing and they're expanding and they're expounding each time. So these signs are becoming greater and greater and greater. And so too is God's wrath. God's wrath is becoming greater and greater and greater. It says that in these seven angels, there are seven plagues. God's wrath is in them complete. In the Greek, that word means perfect. It means to have it become fulfilled Now, listen very carefully. One of the most famous Bible passages of love, some of you may have it memorized even, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Paul is explaining what love is like. And the very first thing he says about love, he says, love suffers long. Love is patient. God's love for us is patient. And because of that, the good news that we have today is because of the patience of God's love, God's love today makes it so that his wrath has not yet been perfected. His wrath has not yet been completely poured out upon the world. We still are operating, we're still living under a period of time called the period of grace. God's grace is still available to all of us this morning because God has chosen in his grace to not pour out his wrath completely. There's still hope for us. God's love suffers long. God's love is patient. That word means to be steadfast under provocation. Have your children ever, like, knowingly done the exact opposite of what you've asked them to do? Right? You tell them, don't touch that, and the first thing they want to do is what? Touch it. It's like something magical happens in that article that you don't want them to touch. It's attractive to them, and they want to touch it more than anything in the world. They want to touch that thing. That's provocation. When you know what you're supposed to do, and you do the opposite anyway, you're provoking. And we provoke the Lord daily, don't we, with our choices. We provoke him with the things that we say and think and do and watch. We provoke God, but yet God in his grace says, I'm not going to pour out my wrath just yet because I have hope. I have hope that you will come to me, and I see every single heart that will surrender to my grace, and so because of that, I'm not going to pour out my wrath completely. We see this worked out in Abraham's life. And he's questioning God. God's saying, I'm going to have to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because the wickedness in those cities has run rampant and there's no returning. And Abraham asks the Lord, he says, well, what if there are 50 righteous? Would you still destroy all of the city? Because even though there are 50 righteous left in the city, God says, no, I would spare that city for 50 righteous. 
And Abraham says, well, what about 45? And what about 40? And what about 30? And what about 20? And what about 10? And God says, I would spare it if there were any righteous in that city. I would spare that city. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. How about we see this playing out in the life of Jonah? And Jonah is told by the Lord to go and to preach to a city called Nineveh, a very wicked city. They would humiliate the people that they were conquering. They would have outside people's dead bodies on staffs as warnings to those entering of what happens to those who stand in opposition to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah hated Nineveh. And God says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach grace to them. I want you to preach judgment first. I want you to preach the fact that this is going to come down on them, that they're going to be judged for their sin. But Jonah runs the opposite direction. He says, I don't want anything to do with the people of Nineveh. They're a horrible people. And finally, you guys probably know the story. A great fish swallows him and spits him back out onto dry land. And Jonah goes in and he preaches to Nineveh. He preaches, God's going to judge this place in 40 days unless you repent. That's God's grace. The preaching of judgment is God's grace. Prophets preach repentance because of God's grace. God raises up people who will preach God's word because he loves people who are lost and he doesn't want them to end up that way for all of eternity. And so Jonah preaches this message and the people get it. They begin to repent. And the king of Nineveh, he calls for the whole city to repent and he puts on sackcloth and he calls for a fast. No one can drink or eat anything. And the city repents and so God relents from doing harm. God withholds his wrath in grace. He withholds his wrath in mercy. He withholds that wrath. And Jonah says this to God. The scripture says this. You can read this later in Jonah chapter 4. He says, God, didn't I tell you I didn't want to go? I told you that if I went, this is what would happen. That you would forgive these people, that you would relent from doing harm, that you wouldn't pour out your wrath, because I know you to be a God who is slow to anger and who is abounding in grace and mercy. And that's why I didn't want to go preach, is because I didn't want those people to be saved. But God's love is patient. God's love says, I'm not going to pour out my wrath upon those people. My love suffers long. This is what the scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Pastor Walt quoted this last week. The scripture says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. His love suffers long. He's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. The word means lost, destroyed, ruined. He wants every single one of us to be saved and to know his great love. The scripture says this in Psalm 103, verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Now listen to this. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. How many can say, thank you, God, that you have not dealt with us according to our sin and our iniquity? When he looks at us, his first thought is not to say, how can I punish the wicked for their sin? That is not his first thought. He does not deal with us according to our sins and our iniquities. He deals with us according with grace and mercy. And then the last portion of that verse says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Amen? 
That's God's enduring love. That's how God loves us. And even in the midst of wrath, even in the midst of a, a preaching of wrath, even as we're studying God pouring out and perfecting his wrath on an unbelieving world, it's still with the purpose of grace. God wants you to hear what's going to happen so that you have opportunity to say, stop, hold on, I do not want that fate. And you can cry out to God this morning and say, God, please forgive me. Right now this morning, you may have walked in here carrying some sort of weight of sin, some sort of strangling. It's choking you. You almost feel like your life is being sucked out of your body, like your, your body's even suffering from the sin. God wants you to hear this morning that he does not want to deal with you according to your sin and your iniquity. But he is a God who is slow to anger, who is rich and abounding in love and mercy and grace. And that's what he wants to bestow upon you. So if there's something this morning that you need to repent of, that you need to say, God, I do not want this any longer. I walked in here with it, but I'm not going to walk out. You can lay that at the feet of the cross right now. We don't have to wait till the end of service. You can lay that at the feet of Jesus right now. You can be changed right now. You can say, God, I don't want wrath, but I want your grace right now. And the scripture says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you of that sin and to cleanse you from any unrighteousness that is in your heart. You can leave here clean and set free. Amen? Amen. Amen. That my friends, is God's grace. But even in the realm of wrath, he's still trying to operate through grace. Now listen to this. We're going to read how the triumphant now are going to give God praise. And we're going to see how these people praise Jesus while they're in his presence. In the presence of God, the songs they sing, what's bursting forth from their hearts. Verse 2, and I saw something like a sea of glass Revelation 4, 6, that's the first time we saw the sea of glass. And the martyrs are there on the sea of glass. The martyrs are singing to God. Now we see the sea of glass, verse 2, mingled with fire, which speaks of the judgment that's about to be poured out upon the world. And those who have victory over the beast, we saw in Revelation 12, 11, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. There isn't a thing that we can do to be victorious in the flesh. The only way we can find victory is to find victory in the blood of the cross, the blood of Jesus, the fact that he died on the sin to wash me clean and to cleanse me. That is our victory. So we see these people here. They're on a sea of glass. It's mingled with fire. They, they have victory over the beast and over his image and over the mark and over the number of his name. And they're standing on the sea of glass having harps of God. To stand there, it speaks of them being victorious in their faith. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water in the midst of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And he says, if that's really you, Jesus, call me out onto the water. And Jesus says, come, Peter. And Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. His faith believed enough in the voice of Jesus saying, come, that he stepped out and did the impossible. And you know the story that as the seas surrounded him and he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. As his faith was being attacked, he began to sink to the depths of the water and he cries out, God, help me. We see these 
martyrs standing on the sea of glass. They're standing victorious in their faith, their belief in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus is about to do. They stand on this sea of glass, verse 3, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Let's pause there for a second. The first song they sing is the song of Moses. You can read this later. It's in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Write that down and read it this evening. We don't have time to get into it completely. But needless to say, this is a song of deliverance. The children of Israel have been oppressed for 400 years in Egypt, baking bricks under the hot Egyptian sun, building pyramids, tombs for the Egyptian kings. And God hears the cry of their people, and he raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And Moses goes, and he ministers, and he preaches, and he asks Pharaoh, let my people Ten plagues come upon the nation of Israel because Pharaoh refuses to liberate the Israelites. He refuses to let them go until the last plague, the tenth plague, the plague of the firstborn, where every firstborn throughout the land dies. Every firstborn child, every firstborn animal, all the firstborn across the nation of Egypt die unless they had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost in the sign of a cross, unless they had that Passover lamb's blood smeared upon their door. And so finally, Pharaoh says, there's nothing I can do, and he releases the children of Israel. But as Pharaoh had a tendency to do, he had a change of heart. And so he gathers his armies, and he pursues Israel towards the Red Sea. And Israel's there with their back against the Red Sea. Nowhere to go. The situation seems dire. It's hopeless. There's a wall of sea behind them and the Egyptian armies before them. What do we do? And God comes through and he parts the seas. And the children of Israel go past and into the promised land on dry ground. And the waters collapse back over Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies. Now, after that happens, Moses sings this incredible song about God's faithfulness and about his deliverance and about what God has done. And if you go there tonight and you read that song, what you will not see is you will not see anything about himself. Over and over and over again, it isn't I, it isn't me, it is you, God. You, God, are faithful. You, God, are the one who delivers. You, God, are the one who has seen us through our darkest hour and is part of the seas when everything seemed hopeless and it seemed like I didn't have a shot, I didn't have a chance. You came through and you delivered, God. This song is not about them, it's about God. Now, I want to mention this just for a moment. Because modern worship can sometimes become very man-centered, can't it? And now I'm not complaining about these songs. I can worship with these songs. I worship with these songs like, you make me brave, and I'm no longer a slave. And even this morning, oh, how I love you, Lord, or I want to seek you more. These are a lot about man. We're talking about ourselves a lot. But when God comes through in the midst of the impossible, Moses didn't think about himself anymore. All he thought about was God. And I want to bring this up because maybe, just maybe, your back is up against that sea this morning and you think that your situation is impossible 
Because God wants to come through and deliver you in the midst of the impossible so you take your eyes off of yourself and you give glory to God. Will you let him do it? Now, this is really what communion is all about, isn't it? This is why the Lord says, often do this. As often as you partake of communion, do this in remembrance of me. Because he understands that we have a problem in and of ourselves. We forget God's faithfulness. This song, the song of Moses, the Hebrew people would sing this every single Sabbath. Every time they would get together for temple, every time they would come together at synagogue, they would sing this song of deliverance. It was a remembering of God's faithfulness in the past. And now here's what I want you to grasp from this church, is that faith looks back at God's faithfulness, and it causes us to trust. The word faith in Greek is pistis. It really, truly means to trust. Faith looks back at our old circumstances, at the people we used to be, the problems we used to have, the sin we used to serve, and it sees how God delivers from that sin, and it causes us to trust And hope looks forward to the future in anticipation because you remember God's faithfulness. You see why it's so important that we gather together and we pray, and when we pray, that we pray remembering God's faithfulness. Listen, if your prayer time, if your prayer life is just a list of needs, If all your prayer time is, is recounting these different needs and these different people who need healing and these different financial needs or these different needs of relationships, if that's all your prayer life is, you're not going to be hoping the way God wants you to hope. When you pray, you need to come into the presence of God like Moses was doing here, like these martyrs are doing here, and they're singing this song of Moses, and they're recalling God's past faithfulness because it causes them to trust in the moment, but then it also causes them to hope with anticipation because they've already seen what God can do. And when I remember what God has done and what God can do, I can trust him for tomorrow, amen? God wants you to have that kind of a hope. He doesn't want you to be without hope in this life. He doesn't want you to be without something to look forward to. And the only way you can hope the way God wants you to hope is when you look back in faith. You look back and you trust. So we see this this song that they're singing, the song of Moses, but we also see the song of the Lamb. Read here with me, verse 3. They sing this song of the Lamb, and we actually have the words to this song right here. Great and marvelous are your works. Again, exceeding and abundant are your works, Lord God Almighty. The word almighty means someone who has all power. Just and true are your ways, O king of the saints. You always do what is right, they sing. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, and all the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been made manifest. Notice here. Once again, that these martyrs sing this song, the song of the Lamb, and it isn't about them. It isn't singing, God, look at how faithful I've been. It isn't singing, God, look at how I believed and I trusted in you. God, look at the suffering that I I went through to prove to you my love. It's completely devoid of thoughts of themselves. Because when you're truly in the presence of God, all you're going to want to sing about is his glory. 
if that is not bursting forth from our lips, if God's glory, if his worth, if his majesty, if his great and marvelous works are not on our hearts and not on our lips, it's because we haven't been in his presence. We haven't been basking in his glow. We haven't been soaking in his love and his grace and his mercy. And God would say to you, why? Why? I don't want you to be distracted with yourself. I don't want you to get your eyes on yourself. I want you to take those eyes and I want you to fix them and focus them in on me. And I want you to listen to my voice. And I'll lead you. I will lead you into my presence. And you'll never be the same. Your way of thinking will never be the same. Your actions will never be the same. You will no longer be bound by thoughts of self, but you'll be set free to think grander, larger, greater, bigger thoughts, thoughts of my majesty and my glory. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways. Just and true, you always do what is right. All the nations shall come before you and worship you. The word means to prostrate themselves, to lay out before the God of God and the King of Kings, just to pour everything out and to bow before them. And this song says that every nation is going to come and bow like that. Paul said this to the Philippians. He said that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Every knee will bow. The question is, when will that knee bow? Will you bow in response to God's grace and his love, or will you bow in response to his wrath and his anger? Because God invites you to bow today in response to grace and love. He doesn't want to pour out upon you that wrath. In that anger. Now, this is crazy to think about now. Watch this. We're going to see the angels of wrath now being presented. These angels are going to come forth that are going to pour out their wrath on an unbelieving world. Listen to this. Verse 5. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came seven angels, having seven plagues, clothed with pure bright linen. It speaks of their purity. And having chests, their chests were girded with golden bands, which speaks of their glory. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Now, this should cause our jaws to drop. Because what this is saying is that right now, God is storing up his wrath in bowls to pour out upon the world that doesn't believe. Did you hear that? God is storing up his wrath and his anger. Listen to what this scripture says in Psalm chapter 7. It says, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day, and he does not turn back. He will sharpen his sword. He will bend his bow and make it ready. Did you hear that? God is angry with the wicked every single day, and he's storing up that wrath for that day that he pours it out on the earth. And what's happening right now is we're catching a glimpse of this. God is showing us what this is going to be like. These angels come forth and they're given all that God has been storing up for this moment at this time in history and for this day. The scripture says that we should pray that we would be worthy to escape this kind of wrath. The only way we can be worthy to escape this kind of wrath is when we call out Upon the name of Jesus today. Today, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today, 
We must call upon the name of the Lord. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, the scripture said, you shall be saved. Call upon the name of Jesus this morning, friends, and be saved from this kind of wrath. Now, this goes from the angels being revealed, the angels being presented to the presence, the glory that is in God's presence. Look at this, verse 8. It says, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So we see this smoke fill the temple. We see this happening in Isaiah chapter 6. Write that down and read it later. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.